minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Yes, that's right. This is the anarchist world this week. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy, society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Why these concepts are critical, central to anarchist thinking? Because anarchism is about creating a society without rulers. How? Do you create a society without rulers by devolving power? And direct democracy is one mechanism of devolving power and by ensuring that wealth is held in common and used for the common good. It's inequalities in power and wealth which create divisions, which create the inequalities which we see today. So it's a very simple concept. You don't need a PhD in politics. You don't need a doctorate in politics. All you need to know is... Anarchos without rulers. Without rulers, how do you create a society without rulers? Not without rules, but without rulers. You create a society without rulers by breaking down hierarchy. How do you break down hierarchy? You break down hierarchy by devolving power, sharing wealth. Inequalities in power and wealth is what give people the opportunity to impose their will on billions of people on the planet. Simple concepts. Now... Just in case you're listening to this program in Melbourne, and you may be, or you may be listening to it in Tasmania, or the ACT, or the Northern Church, or West Australia, but if you are listening to this program in Melbourne, uh, it's the 28th of uh, June, and uh, we are having a public interest before corporate interest gathering on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday, from midday to 1pm, and you're welcome to join us. Now, we've also got a few other initiatives in the pipeline. And the next initiative, because, you know, life's about living. It's not about waiting for somebody to do something for you. It's not about waiting for conditions to change. It's not about waiting for the government to come to its senses. It's not about waiting, you know, for the your family members to do the right thing by you. It's not about waiting. Life is about living. It's about grabbing it with two hands. And obviously we all have responsibilities, we all have things we need to do, but we all have spare time. Well, hopefully, most of us have. So if you do have spare time, uh, there's a new initiative I'm uh, promoting, uh, a simple thing. Again, it's based in Melbourne because that's where I'm broadcasting from. You know, if you want to pay my airfare anywhere in Australia, I'm happy to host it in your part of the universe. I'm sure you haven't got the money to pay my airfare. So if you're coming down to Melbourne... Every Wednesday night, starting next Wednesday, the 5th of July, every Wednesday night, starting at 6pm, 
I'm having an evening of a uh, bit of satire, bit of humour, bit of serious political discussion, bit of food, bit of music here in uh, Collingwood in Melbourne at uh, Konjo, K-O-N-J-O, Ethiopian restaurant at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, across the road from the 3CR radio station. Uh, the whole idea of this uh, evening, with yours truly, is basically to be able to continue on a face-to-face basis the discussion and the ideas and the humour and the satire which is part of the anarchist world this week. So it's going to be an ongoing thing. We'll give it a month or two, see how it goes. If nobody turns up, nobody turns up. We'll uh, close it down. But if people turn up, they find it useful, they're happy to come along. You buy your own food and drinks for the evening and uh, entries by donation because uh, you know, I'm try, try, trying to raise some money for uh, different, uh, you know, different, different activities. Simple thing. Simple thing, people getting together on a face-to-face value. If you're sick of being clickbait, if you're sick of you know pressing that little button agreeing with everything, well, this is your chance to meet people with similar ideas, face-to-face uh, interaction. So uh, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, if you're in Melbourne, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, starts at 6pm, we'll go to about 9, 10pm, depending on the number of people who turn up, turn up starting on uh, Wednesday, the 5th of July. All this stuff will be up on the webpage, the Toscano for the Public um, Facebook page, and uh, you can look at that. I mean, if you want further information, you'll always ring me on 0439 395 489. Because it's the human contact which gets things moving. Even the, even the major political parties are beginning to understand that. All right. We've done the paid advertising. And don't forget, again, if you are in Melbourne, we've got to defend and extend public housing rally at uh, midday on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House uh, on Wednesday the 5th of July. So on the first Wednesday of every month, defend and extend uh, public housing rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And on the last Wednesday of every month, uh, there is a public interest before corporate interest gathering on the uh, steps of the uh, Victorian Parliament House. If you want to know the difference between a rally and a gathering, we'll go to both. If you don't want to know, don't go to any. Okay, let's move on. Now, look, you may be sucked in by the usual boring, inane media cycle and uh, you're seeing all the uh, reactionaries in the uh, Liberal National Party jumping up and down about some fool talking about something, you know. Like all, the Liberal Party always tells them it's the party of uh, three expression. So when poor old Christopher Pine expresses himself after a few uh, few drinks at the Cherry Bar, it's all hell breaks loose. You know, these are the type of people we've got to deal with. Small, inane, boring, mediocre human beings who want to use Parliament to impose their will on other people. There is nothing more pathetic than the reactionaries in the Liberal Party and their supporters in this country. There is nothing more pathetic than all those people in the Murdoch media who continue to push the line. I mean, here they are, the little man Malcolm Turnbull, portrayed as some raging radical by these reactionary 19th-century dinosaurs. Just extraordinary that so much time is taken up 
by these people, but it's taken up by these people for one very good reason. The Murdoch media has a plan, and their plan is very simple. They want to get their reactionary mates into power back in the Liberal Party because they want those media ownership laws to be overturned. They want them to be overturned. They want to be able to dominate not only the paid TV market, not only the radio market, not only the newspaper market, but they want to dominate the three-to-air market through their uh, holdings in Channel 10. That's what they want to do, and this is what this is all about. I mean, Murdoch doesn't give a shit whether Turnbull is Prime Minister, Dutton is Prime Minister, Shorten is Prime Minister. They, they know their measures. They know their measures. They don't give a shit. But what, they, what he and his family gives a shit about is extending their media empire, increasing their wealth at the expense of the Australian people. And this is what this destabilisation campaign is about, using these dinosaurs, these reaction. and my apologies to dinosaurs, I've met a lot of nice dinosaurs in my time compared to these people, you know, using these dinosaurs to push their reactionary, it's not even a conservative agenda, reactionary 19th century agenda in order to promote the Murdoch's business interests in this country. And this is a serious, serious attack. So every time you see these, you know, you see... Um, Mr. Bolt, who I try not to mention on the program, you know, Gina, uh, Gina Reinhardt's uh, little toy boy, you know, jump up and down because he's got this little tape about some conversation at a bar, you know, and then using that tape to try to, uh, you know, get the reactions. And you know that, you know whose fingerprints are on that, and it's the Murdoch media's fingerprints because that's what they're all about. They're about causing dissension so that their business interests um, win. And if you're wondering how it works, I'll give you an example. Channel 10, right? You've got the th- big three and you've got 17,000 small shareholders. Okay, what they love, laughingly call mum and dad shareholders. I call them suckers, all right? Sucker shareholders, right? Suckers who get drawn in, you know, by their uh, managers, you know, their... Uh, whatever, they get drawn into these things. Now, Channel 10 is going through a financial problem, right? Now, the big three, the big three, the Murdochs and the, uh, you know, Packers and whoever else in the world are going to keep their money, but the 17,000 small investors, and some of them have got their life savings in Channel 10, will receive nothing because it looks like there'll be no residual money left because they're always at the end of the line. First of all, it's the government, you know, for the Australian Taxation Office. Then it's the big boys and girls who've tied up all the guarantees. And then it's the mug, you know, the mug shareholder, the mug shareholder who somehow thinks that investing in the stock market is the best way to ensure their future, to ensure their old age, to guarantee their old age. And there are 17,000 people who've holding shares in uh, Channel 10 who will most likely find, because there is no residual value, which means in, which means in plain English there is no money in the pot once everybody else has been paid out, will find the shareholdings they 
hold will be worth zilch, nothing. And that's how it works. That's how capitalism works, especially corporate capitalism. That's how it works. They never lose. You're a small shareholder. You've been sucked in. You believe the hype. That's what happens to you. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now let's talk about an issue which I think is huge, which nobody else seems to want to pick up. Contractors. Bodgy contractors. There are over one million, that's right, of a working population of 11 million, that's one in 10. There's almost one in 10 Australian workers who are working on bodgy contracts. They're described as contractors. They may work for the same company doing the same thing day in and day out, clocking in and clocking out at the same time. But their relationship with their employer is not employer and employee because employer and employee relationships have protections in law. That's right, protections in law in terms of when you can be, you know, you can be fired, the type of sick pay you receive, the type of holiday pay you receive, whether you receive overtime payments, the type of protections you receive at work, all protected by law. Well, over the last 20 years during the deregulation revolution that has swept in this country, we have seen legislation stripped back to such an extent that employers, especially large employers, are now in the position where they only employ contractors. And what's the difference between a contractor and an employee. And the difference is the same as chalk and cheese. You buy into a piece of chalk and buy into a piece of cheese and you'll find out the difference between chalk and cheese. What is an individual contractor? Now, individual contractors get paid anywhere between 20 to $30 an hour. Okay? Seems a lot of money, doesn't it? But when you look at it, they have to pay for their own insurance. In many cases, they have to provide their own vehicles and equipment. Well, in most cases, they provide their own vehicle and equipment. They have to, uh, there's no sick pay. There's no responsibility for sick pay. There's no responsibility for holiday pay. There's no overtime. And you can be fired on at, at will. You can be fired the same day. You know, you maybe you've uh, spoken to a union about something and bang, you're fired the same day. No protection. No protection whatsoever. So we've got this new underclass of workers, normally in lower-paid industries, this whole underclass of individual contractors, whether they be Uber drivers, Fedora drivers, the list goes on and on. It goes on and on. 19th century relationships between employer and employee. The employer provides the work, the employee, under a bodgy contract, takes all the risks. Extraordinary. One in ten Australian workers find themselves being employed as contractors. I'm not even talking about part-time, you know, uh, irregular work. That's another issue. 30% of the Australian working population is involved in that type of work. And although there are all these laws, supposed laws, 
you to protect individuals, employees, most of them aren't enforced, as we saw with the 7-Eleven debacle, where 7-Eleven has already paid over $100 million in back wages to workers who were ripped off, and they were ripped off illegally. Not that I've seen many court cases regarding that particular issue. But these individual contractors, and the beauty about individual contractors is most of them, most of them buy the garbage that's spewed forth by the government, that somehow they are, you know, they're free people. They're contractors. They're basically the new slave-owning class. The new slave class. That's all they are. Talk to any individual contractor. And apart from those on the big bucks because they got specific uh, knowledge about specific issues, you'll find that most people are on individual contracts, whether it's a cleaning contract, whether it's a food delivery contract, whether it's a Uber driver, and the list goes on and on. You'll find that most people on individual contracts are basically wasting most of the money they make in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of their business expenses. Extraordinary. And these are they're supposed to be laws which are designed to stamp out these bodgy individual contracts. But they're never enforced. Never enforced. Never enforced. Extraordinary. And we allow this, this to occur. And we allow it to occur because people have no options. They apply for a job and they say, oh, you're an individual contractor. You take it or leave it. And because there's never ending stream of people who need work, especially semi-skilled or unskilled work who are put on individual contracts, it's very easy for employers just to keep, you know, uh, employing people on this basis and say you either take it or you leave it. As real work seems to be disappearing. This is this is this is what corporate capitalism is all about. It's about maximising profits at the expense of the individual who provides the labour to create that profit. Extraordinary. Extraordinary when you think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And again, this is something that can be resolved tomorrow. It just needs legislation. It doesn't need revolution. It needs legislation and enforcement of legislation. It needs to ensure that individual contractors are individual contracts. They're not basically employees who have been employed on sham contracts in order to maximise corporations and businesses' profits. Again, it doesn't need revolution in the streets, blood in the streets. It is a simple thing that can be rectified tomorrow through adequate legislation passed through both houses of federal parliament and adequate enforcement of that legislation. Very simple. You could give stability and security to over a million workers who find themselves today on these bodgy individual contracts, which are totally legal. Totally legal. Let's move on. It gets better, doesn't it? Now, those of you who are regular listeners to the Anarchist World this week, and there must be one or two of you out there who are regular listeners to the Anarchist World this week, we all know, we all know, about how old age has been privatised. In the old days, you worked your guts out, you got to 65, you got your pension, all right? The state was responsible. You had, prov- you had provided your labour 
for 40, 50 years, the state said, well, that's nice, we'll look after you. Today, we've seen the privatisation of old age. We saw it through the introduction of superannuation, which is basically a fancy word which means you will pay for your retirement. The state won't pay. You will pay for your retirement. But the beauty of superannuation is that most of the money which is compulsorily acquired and put aside to pay for your old age, where you pay for your own old age, is actually managed by the corporate world. It is used to exploit you in your working life. Extraordinary. But what's more extraordinary now is the privatisation of aged care facilities. With an an ageing population, one in six Australians is now over 65, with an ageing population, more and more people will find as they get older they won't be able to live in their own homes despite efforts to keep people in their own homes because it's cheaper. But they'll be forced to go into these retirement villages what we see springing up across the country. The new corporate vulture um, pit. That's what it is. I mean, these people are thrown into the... Well, they not thrown. They buy into these villages. And as we've seen recently, and everybody knows this, and everybody's known this for, you know, for the last 20 years, that these are for-profit corporations. They are there basically to extract every last cent from people. That's what it's about. It is a private industry. Like childcare now is a private industry which is dominated by a handful of corporations. You'll find the same thing. Old age care is a private marketplace which is dominated by a handful of corporations who basically do everything they can to maximise returns to owners and shareholders at the expense of the residents in these retirement homes. And again, no protection. That's what deregulation is about, and I've kept saying consistently on the Anarchist World this week for decades. It's all about making profits at the expense of the population as a whole, the public. That's what it's about. It's about making a buck. And when you allow the private sector to regulate itself, when you ensure the state sector does not have the staff, the organisations to police the private sector or, as we have seen in the last four decades, remove the very regulations which were initially introduced to protect the public from the avarice of the private sector, this is what you get. This is this is the logical endpoint of the deregulation conga line. That's what it is. So if you're young, if you're old... You can't look after yourself. You are basically soylent green for these corporations. They will eat 
you alive. And they'll do it legally. And that's the tragedy. They do it legally because there is no legislation which ever seems to go through Parliament which somehow seems to improve the lives of ordinary people. Because the 20th century was a century of revolution. It was a century which saw the transformation of the state from an instrument of direct oppression, which was there to ensure that those people who had power continued to have power, to an organisation which was forced through the blood, sweat and tears and the sacrifices of millions of people over the last century to take an interest in the lives and the futures of the many, the public, the many, the public. Forced to introduce pensions, forced to introduce social security benefits, forced to introduce regulations to ensure that the private sector didn't exploit the public. Forced to provide decent wages. Forced to ensure that workers weren't exploited. Forced, 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 forced through strikes, occupations, demonstrations, riots. Forced. It forced the state to take an interest into the lives of ordinary people. 40 years down the track, 40 years down the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution that has swept the globe, not just Australia, but the globe, what do we see? We see the worst excesses of 19th century capitalism revisited on us during the 21st century the worst excesses, where the private sector, whether it's the banking sector, the financial sector, you know, the services sector, the mining sector, regulating itself, paying voluntary taxation, doing it legally. So no wonder, no wonder that in the 21st century there is a crisis in democracy. There is a crisis. And some people attribute this crisis to people's disillusionment and others attribute this crisis to people's disinterest. But the crisis is that the democratic process, not just, democ- not just representative democracy but direct democracy, faces in the 21st century is a crisis that has been manufactured by the corporate sector which now dictates parliamentary policy. Dictates parliamentary policy. And people understand that parliamentary democracy has become two minutes of illusory power. And although there are good people trying to get into Parliament, it still continues to be dominated by political parties whose first allegiance is to that small section of society that owns the means of reduction, distribution, exchange and communication. 
their allegiance isn't to you. The allegiance of your representatives you vote into Parliament isn't to their electorate. Their primary allegiance is to their party because the party pre-selects them. And while we have a party political system, which is dominated by the, the needs of the corporate sector, we will continue to have increasing disillusionment with the parliamentary process. Because people are beginning to understand that parliamentarians neither have the will or the power to transform things. They no longer have the will or the power to change things. They seem to be apologists for the corporate sector. Every day, we are faced with increasingly severe conditions for an increasing number of people in this country. We're told there are 23.4 million. I don't know if I trust the Department of Statistics uh, figures. I thought there was a few more of us than that, but that's, that's another issue. But we're told that. And we're told, well, we know we live on a continent, a resource-rich continent. We're told that ad nauseum. So why can't 23.4 million people living on a continent actually look after the basic needs of everybody in the, on this on the, on this planet on this uh, on this continent and the islands surrounding this continent, I mean, Department of Statistics does show some interesting trends, but these trends are not new. We've all known these trends. What 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 the census does is it confirms the trends, and the trends are very simple. We now have one in three Australians who rely on renting, one in three Australians who are paying off a mortgage, and one in three Australians who own their own home. We knew that. And we know that the figures are falling and they're falling rapidly. More people are renting, less people are buying because housing has now become not a mechanism by which to have security in terms of tenure and in terms of, you know, your life. Housing is now an investment. And nothing highlights this more than the fact that as I speak, one in ten, that's right, one in ten, 10 houses and units and flats in this country is empty. They're empty. One in 10. And they're empty for one very good reason. They're not empty because there aren't enough people in this house. They're not empty, I mean, this country. They are not empty because there's no homelessness in this land. They're not empty because people need accommodation. They're empty because investors, that's right, people who invest in the housing market, whether they're overseas investors or local investors, are happy to leave those houses empty in order to make their profits on capital gains. That's right. They're relying on the prices of housing to go up and they prefer to keep the house empty than even rent it out. Now again, this isn't this is a problem that doesn't rely doesn't require blood in the streets. This is a legislative issue. 
You could pass legislation not to have some piddling little tax on an empty home if they've done it in Victoria, but you could pass legislation tomorrow to say that if a home is empty for more than 12 months and it's owned by an investor, it's not, you know, you can put all these... It's compulsorily acquired by the state. Compulsorily acquired by the state to provide accommodation for people who need housing. One way of, you know, overcoming the so-called public housing crisis... I'm sure that if that legislation is in place, it wouldn't take long before there's one in ten homes and units would be available for rent. And, that, and because there's such an increase in the number of uh, dwellings available for rent, that rents would actually decrease. Think about it. These are legislative issues. I find it extraordinary that here I am, an anarchist, having to push a reformist barrow because nobody... Nobody in this country today seems to be willing to push a reformist barrow. It seems that the whole nature of the society we live in, every aspect, is dominated by the private sector, not just physically, but intellectually, culturally, dominated by the private sector. It's as if this virus... This Ebola-like virus has now taken a grip on our society. It's all about maximising private returns and ensuring that any state returns go back to the private sector. It is just an extraordinary state of affairs we find ourselves in. When the interests of the few always take precedence over the interests of the many. So we live in a wonderful country, the land of Oz, the land down under, a wonderful country. The type of services you and your children can access, the type of future you, your children and grandchildren can see for yourself is intrinsically linked to the amount of money and resources you have. Intrinsically linked to it. You don't have any money and resources. You are part of the no future generation. No future for you. Bodgy contract jobs. Part-time work. Poor public education. Access to an overcrowded public hospital sector. And the list goes on and on. you got the resources. Not only do you have the magic nice home and the investment properties and the flashy car, but more importantly, you have those shares in the stock market and you can claim any losses on the stock market as a tax deduction legally. You can buy as many homes as you like legally and claim any losses as a tax deduction. Brilliant. You can buy the best healthcare money can buy. You can send your kids to the best schools money can buy. You can have the best holiday money can buy. And the list goes on and on. So how have we allowed this to happen? How have you and I allowed this 100% 
tune in our ideological principles occur. And it's occurred very simply because we have taken our foot off the accelerator, off the social accelerator, the radical accelerator. We, as a people, have taken our foot off the accelerator. We, as a people, have become consumers. We, as a people, have torn up our citizenship papers and our citizenship rights. We, as a people, have been willing to wait while our political representatives pass legislation in Parliament, theoretically for our good, while in fact it's for the good of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. We have sat back while corporate capitalism, the corporate sector, has spat in our faces and call the 33% of Australians who are on Social Security support bludgers and leaners while they pay voluntary taxation and when they lose a case in the courts, they go to the High Court. And the list goes on and on. We have allowed this to occur because we have forgotten the single most important lesson that human beings have learnt on this planet since we left the African veldt 150,000 years ago. And that lesson is very simple. Change comes from action. Change comes from pressure. And if the political system and cultural relationships we have developed do not look after the interests of the many they should be torn up and we should start again that's why I ask you to join public interest before corporate interest the many, the interests of the many before the interests of the few that's what the public is, the many the few, the 1% is the corporate sector you know that we encourage you, not because we think if we become a registered political party, we are going to change the world and you know be the next government. That's a lot of crap. It's because we think it's time that these issues were put back on the public agenda. The interests of the many before the interests of the few. It's about time we shook ourselves free from the old divisions based on left and right, the old divisions based on religion, the old divisions based on culture, the old divisions based on race, the old divisions, you know, that have existed, which continue to exist, which are used to divide and rule us. Because we only have one enemy. One enemy. And that enemy is that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication that dominates the parliamentary process, that ensures that legislation which comes out of parliament continues to support them and their interests, the interests of the few at the expense of the many. And if you want to change this, you need to push back. 
And you're not going to change this by begging and beseeching. You're not going to change this by praying. You're not going to change this by waiting for the next election to change the government. You're going to change this by becoming actively involved in campaigns and activities to ensure that the governments understand that ultimate political authority in a democratic society doesn't rest in the government of the day. It doesn't rest in the state. It doesn't rest in the corporate sector. It doesn't rest in the bureaucracy. It doesn't rest in the armed forces and the police. Ultimate political authority in a democratic society rests in the hands of the people. And we need to understand that. And we need to push that. And we need to reclaim that public space, the interests of the many. We need to reclaim that as our birthright. And last week I spoke about Australian values and I noticed that the little man... Yeah, little man, our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull seems to be ble- bleeding from all these um, knife wounds to his back from his own political party. You know, he speaks about Australian values, but never, 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 never outlines those values. Well, I'm outlining those values. And last week, I equated Australian values with the principles which were which were in the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. I mean, these people in 1854 believed they were born with inalienable rights and liberties no government or business could take away. They were born with these rights and liberties. They were born with the right to a stable economic future. They were born with the right to be able to freely express their ideas. They were born with the right to be able to freely associate with like-minded people. And we continue to be the inheritors of that tradition. That's what Australian values are based on. And that's what we've forgotten. Australian values are not based on us being able to buy the latest consumer goods or being able to service a mortgage or pay the rent. Australian values are based on the concept that we are all equal within this nation. That we should all have the same opportunities. And every day, every minute of every day, our faces are rubbed into the ground when we're told, you're not good enough. You're an individual contractor. You're a social security beneficiary. You're a wage earner. You're not an entrepreneur or philanthropist. You're not good enough. Your children and grandchildren are not good enough to share the Australian dream. You've been left behind. You've been left behind to fight amongst yourselves while we make merry, maximise our profits and more importantly, tie up Parliament in such a way as to ensure that our interests, the interests of the few, always take precedence over the interests of the many. And those of you who think the solution is the new technology, think again. The new technology leads us backwards. The new technology allows the Ubers of the world to strip away 
our rights and liberties, to strip away our economic security, to strip away the gains that have been made by generations of workers. That's what the new technology is about. It's about being used to enrich a minority at the expense of the majority over and over and over and over again. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast on the community via the Community Radio Network across Australia. My name is Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. As I said before, encourage you to join public interest before corporate interests. Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I. Go to the website, pipsy.net. Download the application form. Download it now. Join this organ. We're not just a parliamentary party. We're also a direct action group. Think about it. Ultimate political authority rests in the hands of the people. Ultimately, it's up to us. We're the people we've been waiting for. So join Pipsy. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, the number for the public. Toscano for the public. Join us. Public interest before corporate interests. Look, I feel so strongly about this issue in 2017. So I said last week, I'm willing at my own cost to go anywhere in the state of Victoria and the New South Wales uh, Victorian uh, border to talk about putting public interest before corporate interest, to talk about this new organisation, public interest before corporate interest, to talk about the reasons we need a new political party and direct action group which is willing to put the interests of the many before the interests of the few. Why the traditional political parties, whether it's Labor, Liberal, the Greens or Divided Nation, can no longer provide that alternative. As I said before, organise a public meeting, Organise a picnic, give me a ring, confirm the times, bingo, happy to come to your part of the world. If you live in New South Wales or the Queensland or South Australia or the Northern Territory, West Australia or Tasmania, the Australian Capital Territory, I'm happy to go there too if you organise a public meeting. But I'll need some assistance with transport costs. Very simple. Very simple. Because we are at a critical juncture. We do face major issues as we look out for the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the 21st century apocalypse population growth limited resources on planet earth increasing greenhouse emissions as we dilly dally especially in Australia with the idea of uh, decreasing carbon emissions. And an economic system, and a cultural system, and a political system, which is dominated by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental and cultural problems they cause. This is, these are significant issues that we face. 
And I think, not believe, think. Think. There's a difference between belief and thinking. I think the time is now for the creation of a political and social movement based on the concept of putting the interests of the many, that's the public, before the interests of the few, that's the corporate sector. Because the last 40 years have been a lesson in what does not need to be done in order to maximise the return to the many. It has been a period where the state apparatus and the parliamentary process has been used to maximise the profits of the few at the expense of the many. And that's why a new political grouping based on the concept of putting the public interest before the corporate interest, of putting the interest of the many before the interest of the few, is fundamentally necessary in 2017, where we have forgotten the lessons of the 20th century, which saw the interests of the public, of the many, being put before the interests of the few. As I said before, this is an exceptionally important issue. You organise the meeting, organise the picnic, anywhere in Victoria, New South Wales, Victorian border, under my own cost scheme, I'll come and address that meeting regarding these issues and hopefully pick up some mem- new members for public interest before corporate interests. You're listening to this program interstate, you like the ideas, pay my fare, I'll come down, have a chat. Because this needs to be a national organisation, not just an organisation based in Victoria and southern New South Wales, but a national organisation. And it is necessary, considering the number of people who've got personal issues to push, personal barrows to push, who are beginning to come on board, who are utilising this anger which is growing in the community to push their narrow racist agendas. This is an opportunity to change the course of this country. I know it sounds huge, but every idea, every journey starts with a first step. And forming a political party based on these concepts, public interest before corporate interest, is one of the steps that needs to be taken in order to put the interests of the many before the interests of the few. You've been been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio network across this country. You've been listening to what we have to say. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Yes, we still answer mail. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to our multiple websites, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Pipsy, pipsy pipsy.net. Download the application form. You can go to the Pipsy 
Facebook page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Become a friend, like the page. Draw people to the page. I'll, over the next few days, I'll be recommencing my uh, Fort Bubbles, hopefully on a daily basis. Fort Bubbles about what's happening in the world today. But we need more than Fort Bubbles. We need more than hope. We need more than desire. We need more than expectation. We need people to get involved in order to change things. Because those who exercise power are quite happy to have, for us to have all the hope in the world, all the expectation in the world, but as long as we don't do anything about it, nothing, nothing will change. It's very simple, simple concept. You want things to change, you don't do the same things over and over again. You try something different. Obviously, we're not perfect. We've got feet of clay, like everybody else. But the difference between us and everybody else is we are trying to change things. We're not sitting back and saying, tut, tut, somebody should do something about that. Or tut, tut, I'm going to do something about some. I'm going to do something about that. We want to change things. So that webpage, Toscano for the public, anarchismedia.org, pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Ring us on 0439 395 489. Write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Lots of things happening. Don't forget the rallies. Don't forget this new initiative and uh, about having Wednesday evening of Joseph Toscana across the road at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, starting next Wednesday, the 5th of July, 6pm onwards. Bring a musical instrument. Let's get a bit of community going. Thanks you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. This program is podcast. You can send it to your friends. You can send it to your enemies. You can send it to people who don't even know anything about you. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. If it's the first time you're listening to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network, Contact your local community radio station. Ask them if they broadcast the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. If they don't, ask them why not. Do what you can to ensure that this vo- these voices are heard across the country. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week next week on your local community radio station. And don't forget, download that application form to join public interest before corporate interest, pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Lock onto my Facebook page, Toscana, the number four, the public. Speak to you next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.